podcast in Hopkins, Minnesota. I am Kyle Wood, and somewhere on the highway is Jody White. Uh, somewhere around Buffalo, maybe? Yeah, I think I'm approaching Buffalo. I think I'm like, I'm looking at the GPS. It says I got to do something in 30 miles. I'm assuming uh, that'll be Buffalo in 30 miles is my guess, anyhow. But yeah, I'm cooking along uh, New York State Thruway, doing my thing. Coming back from uh, Coast FLW Series showdown at Oneida, and then of course I went up to the Thousand Islands slash Lake Ontario to do a little bit of fun times afterwards. Which so. I can't wait to hear about. Before we go into anything more, let me uh, let me give a little rundown of how this episode is going to shake out. Sound good? I love it. Great idea. Uh, we're going to have us an interview with someone. It's to be determined currently. Uh, but obviously by the time you're listening to this, you'll know who it is, and it's going to be sweet. Uh, from there, we're going to talk some Oneida, and uh, Jody and I will probably go over some fishing stuff, because there really hasn't been a whole lot else going on, and then we had a couple BFLs over the weekend, we'll wrap up, and that'll do it. Should be a pretty good uh, little quick episode. Sounds like a plan, man. Well, uh, I guess without further ado, let's go on ahead and get into this awesome interview that i will record at some point work for you i love it it works for me man well ladies and gentlemen whoever this pro angler is well joining us today on the podcast uh we have shane lehue my old buddy shane lehue what's going on man oh not a whole lot man how are you i'm doing all right uh uh you told me you know before we started calling here uh you're out you're fishing right now, which shouldn't be a big surprise to anyone. And uh, how's it been going so far? Uh, really, right now, looks fishing a little tough. Uh, we got a lot of a lot of turnover going on right now, um, which is making a lot of the lake unfishable, pretty much. But that should go away. Uh, hopefully, it'll water temps will cool down a little bit. You know, right now, water temps are anywhere from uh 80 degrees in the river to all the way low 90s uh down the lake which is pretty hot and it's been hot all year and it's been tough all year but like uh-huh. i said a little cold snap will make the spots and largemouth start biting pretty good so hopefully we we get that well i suppose i i should lay out the fact that uh we're talking about of course norman uh the the yes. spot of the upcoming flw invitational tournament uh in just a couple weeks and uh so you're from you're from Mooresville, right? Which is pretty much like on Norman, right? Yeah, I live uh, about I can be to the upper, middle, and lower section of Norman about 15 minutes. So dang, it's <laughs> <laughs> pretty nice. But yeah, usually, I mean, the lake, like I said, it's it's super tough, and you know, I'd like to see it get a little better. I'd like to see a little more consistency going on. Um, but this like it's huge and it offers a lot of a lot of cover, a lot of things that guys can do. And I don't, know, I think it'll be a fun event. Uh, let's. Uh, I, I was going to jump into this later, but let's let's talk some Norman right now since we're on the on the subject. I guess what I kind of want to know is, um, 
other than I know, you know, we've had some BFL super tournaments, you know, some two day events there. And then obviously, uh, um, the BFL, the North Carolina division usually has a stop there once or twice, um, throughout the year. Mm -hmm. But uh, other than that, like, I guess I don't really know that much about Norman other than, um, I was on it once with you. I've seen it, you know, there's a lot of docs. I know that. I know like a lot of guys that yourself included that, you know, kind of cut their teeth learning how to skip docks and fish docks. Uh, but what else, what, what are the other things that go on on Norman in terms of, uh, like fishability? Uh, really just about anything you want to do. I mean, you can run up the river and you can, you know, fish some current related stuff and you can flip wood. Um, there's docks up there as well. And then, I mean, if you work your way back down anywhere from, you know, where the river starts to, Ramsey Creek, which is where we're blasting off from, all the way at the lower end of the lake. Um, there's brush piles. There's hundreds and hundreds of brush piles on this lake, and uh, a lot of guys will do good doing that. Um, there, will, there will be fish caught out. There'll be some caught out deep. There'll be schooling fish. There'll be topwater fish. There'll be jig fish. I mean, there'll be shaky head fish. Just about, like I said, Norman's. It's a pretty versatile lake. Uh, so, you don't yeah, have to. It, it's really a pick-your-poison kind of deal. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, I think being being from here, I will probably do a little bit of both or, you know, fish brush and I'll fish the bank and I'll, you know, fish some docks. And there's really, at that time of year, you know, it's the fall. A lot of fish are, they're, they're moving, they're transitioning from summer. And any time I feel like you get fall or fish in a transition, you know, it's kind of hard to, hard to pinpoint them just doing one thing. Right. So you'll be able to do a lot of, you know, guys will be able to do a lot of things. Uh, you know, there'll be some fish, like I said, caught out deep on drop shots and stuff like that. Um, we're getting a lot of alewives in the lake. Oh, really? And uh, our fish are, yeah, we're, they're starting to chase bait, which I don't like. They're starting <laughs> to chase bait out in, you know, 40, 50 feet of water, which is not, not what I want to do. Right, right. But, yeah, I have seen some of that going on this week, so. Okay. Well, uh, I guess another thing I want to know, I, I know it's a pretty good-sized lake, um, but, it, like, right now I think there's close to 80 boats uh, signed up for this thing. Um, mm-hmm. let's, say, let's say it was 80 boats that fish it. How, how well will the field spread out, do you think? Oh, it'll be, it'll be real spread out. I mean, oh, okay. Be, like I said, David's I mean, you you come out of Ramsey and you go, you can Davidson Creek. I mean, you can fish. I mean, you can run from the mouth of Davidson to the back of Davidson. It takes you, you know, seven to ten minutes to run all the way to the back. So, oh, okay. Uh, there's a lot, a lot of fishable water. Um, I like. There's a lot of cuts, and I don't know if you know if people look at a the map, they're going to see all the arms and cuts, and you know, there's deep water, there's shallow water, there's flats, there's rock banks. I mean, there's you know, there may be some brim beds. Uh, I wouldn't count on it that late in the year unless we get, like, around the full moon or something like that. Okay. Uh, most, most of the brim here, they've pretty much done their thing. Um, you know, a lot of the brim beds I'm seeing are silted in, and, you know, they were, they were probably pretty good two weeks ago, which I actually haven't been on the lake that much this year, just traveling and stuff like that. I don't get to fish it as much as I used to. But now, I mean, the last... You know, four days I've been out here, and like I said, I'm not real impressed right now. But <laughs> I've been trying a lot of off the wall stuff too, just checking, 
check out a bunch of weird stuff that I don't normally do. Oh, okay. Well, Jody and I were talking about um, we were kind of talking about weights and 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 what to expect uh, from Norman. I just right now I have pulled up uh, the Super Tournament from last year. Uh, it was held on mm-hmm. September twelfth, so it's pretty much kind of almost the same weekend uh, or a week yeah. before, I guess. Uh, but it was about it was about ten pounds a day. Uh, made the top ten uh, after mm-hmm. two days. Uh, the winning weight was about fourteen and a half a day. Uh, does that sound kind of on par with just normal Norman? Yeah, for this time of year, yes. Yeah. I mean, like in the winter time, you'll see that's best time of year for this. Like you'll, you know, and we have a winter trail that runs all year, and it's nothing to see seventeen to twenty pound bags, you know, consistently throughout that trail. But and in the springtime, and then you know it gets August and it gets tough, and like I said, it's been unseasonably hot here, even for. I mean, just the last month it's been, and the weather, they don't really do too well with weather change when it goes from cool to hot to cool to hot, you know, yep. for some reason, I don't know why, but, uh, and that's been going on quite a bit. You know, the other day we had a low where it was like 60 degrees and it was 80 degrees. And now today it's supposed to be 95 with a heat index of 107 or Jeez. something. <laughs> so, I mean, it's just been so up and down. It's hard to gauge, but. I think those weights will be pretty close. I think I would say if I had to guess, 14 pounds a day will win for three okay. days. And then the weights will be really close now. They'll be, you know, pretty stacked up. And I think, uh, let's see, we cut to top 10 after two days. Yeah. I, I would say 11.5 to 12 pounds a day. Somewhere in that 23 to 24.5 will get you at the top 10. Okay. Now, is that, like, those bigger bags um... – like let's say the guys that are going to catch you know twelve and a half to fourteen pounds, is that is that like an all largemouth thing? Are there big spots? Like can you catch fourteen pounds of spots in there? Oh yeah, you can catch uh, last winter in winter trail. Uh, me and the guy I usually fish team tournaments with around here. We had a twenty pound bag all spots. But oh cool, okay. Um, unse- I mean that's probably not going to happen this time of year. <laughs> now if you catch a fourteen to fifteen pound bag all spots. Yeah, I think that's doable. Okay. Um, there's quite a few. I mean, we're getting, the spots have grown quite a bit here in the last, I'd say, two to three years, where we're seeing a lot more two-and-a-half to three-and-a-half-pound spots just just this time of year. You know, they're thin. They're chasing bait. Like, even those ones that are out chasing bait in 40, 50 feet of water, they're going to be thin because they're running all over the lake chasing <laughs> right. those wide, and those things don't hold on anything. They're just out there in the middle of the channel. So. Yep. But, yeah, you can, I mean, definitely somebody could catch 14, 15 pounds of, of just spots. But most, I think the guy that wins, he's definitely going to have a mixed bag. I was going to say, you think you think the top guys will have a combination of spots yeah. on large mouse? Yeah, no. Most of the time here, you can catch you can catch both doing the same thing. I mean, you can catch spots shallow and you can catch large mouse deep. And, you know, you can catch both doing the same thing. So well, That's cool. I kind of, I like it when you get a little, uh, little combination going in there i like seeing especially big spots I like oh yeah that. yeah we'll probably see some big spots i kind of figure the guy that is going to have the best chance to win on days one or two he's probably going to catch somewhere between the 15 to 16 pound bag and then just be able to put together you know solid 12 pound days to go with it as kind of, was kind of my thoughts going into this or 12 and a half pounds okay 
Um, another thing I wanted to talk to you about is uh, obviously in this event, there's a lot of um, I feel like there's a lot of a lot of Carolina dudes that I think a, a lot of people are going to have their eyes on, and like um, whether it's you know just fans watching. Uh, and also, like, mm-hmm. us guys kind of doing the on-the-water coverage. You know, you got yourself, you got Thrift, Tracy Adams, Todd Otten, uh, Matt Airy. Uh, I think Britt Myers is fishing it. Um, you know, there's it, it just seems like there's a lot of there's a lot of good sticks from around that area. Um, but if, yeah. if you – do you know of anyone that's fishing it that's not really a local guy that you think could do really well in this tournament? Uh, yeah, I think uh... – Scott Beatty, I think he's fishing it, and he's from around here, and he fishes a bunch. Um, and he, yeah, you know, he's fished here for a long, long time, probably longer than I have. And uh, yeah, he's a good fisherman out here. He always seems to do pretty well, and he's he's a pretty versatile guy. You know, he'll switch it up. He's not afraid to start shallow and then fish out deep, and okay. vice versa. So I think he'd be one. And then I'm not really sure of. You know, other guys that have actually got in the tournament. I know some guys that have talked about it, but sure, I'm not sure sure if they've done it yet or not. We got to. I'll be curious. I I kind of want to see like um like Mark Rose is going to fish it, and uh, Michael Neal and who else mm-hmm. is going to fish it? We got like uh, Blake Nick, Jason Manager. Like, there's some guys. Lambert's fishing it. Um, there's kind of some guys that I feel like are really good at still uh, might be able to grab some brush piles or something, find some fish that they can kind of dabble the deep, shallow thing. Um, you know, yeah. if there's still some fish in transition, uh, do you feel like guys, I mean, obviously they're good anglers, but do you feel like um, those guys could maybe stumble on something kind of off the wall that maybe a lot of the local guys might overlook? Yeah, I think that's possible. I mean, like, you know, like I said, our, our fish have been starting to, go out deep more than they usually do and um i definitely think you know if you find the yeah you could find two or three brush piles here that you know they got four or five fish in them you know every time you run to them if you manage them right for three days yeah a guy could you know get right in a hurry on something off the wall or off the bank i mean there's a lot of rock rock veins and stuff that run out in the lake stuff like that that they'll sit on too so and we got i mean shoals and real long points and stuff like that so there's there really is a little bit of just everything here okay which which should make it that's that's why i think the the field will spread out pretty well it shouldn't be a problem with you know there'll be some guys that fish around each other but you know there's there's enough fish in this lake where you can run around and get away from people well that's a and i I like it when you get an event like this where it seems like guys will be able to fish their own strengths you know it's not like uh mm-hmm. kentucky lake in june when everyone's like yeah. well yeah. <laughs> better go out on a ledge <laughs> yep exactly yeah and yeah there there'll be uh you know most of the north carolina guys though i think really that time of year i'm not sure that the uh, local vantage is going to play that much because it's really going to take you know one or two big bites a day and that on this lake, I've seen that. I mean, that can come from anywhere here. Right. I mean, as as long as I fish this lake, I mean, you can catch a big fish doing just about anything, you know. So that's kind of. I, I mean, I like it like that. I wish I had a little bit. Felt like I had a little bit more of an advantage. I think if the tournament was right now, I think maybe it would help. You know, 
me mm-hmm. out a little bit as far as, you know, knowing what brush piles did and stuff like that. But that time of year, like I said, some of those brush pile fish go shallow, and then some of those shallow fish move out to new brush piles. And so I don't, I don't know that the local advantage is going to be that big of a player uh, that time of year. Okay. Well, uh, uh, the other thing I wanted to ask you is, are you going to beat your buddy Brandon Cobb, the South Carolina guy? Are you going to? Are you going to? Are you going to beat he him? He will probably do pretty good in this one. <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. Just the style that he likes to fish. I would say he does pretty well in this one. Okay. He's going to cover a lot of water, and I'm probably going to do the same thing. There's going to be a lot of fishing fast and hitting a lot of stuff. You know, just you can fish here and just fish stuff that looks good. And, you know, probably, I mean, have a good day. So he'll probably do pretty well in this one. But okay, I hope I beat everybody. But <laughs> that's what I that's that's the thought process at every tournament, and then we'll, sure, we'll see sure. after day one. <laughs> Well, uh, I think that's kind of a, I think it's a good point now to kind of turn, um, you know, you kind of mentioned the versatility of Norman. Uh, let's kind of turn mm-hmm. things into, let's talk about your career with the tour so far. You just wrapped up your third year uh, as a pro on tour. You fished your second yep. Forestwood Cup, and you got a top 20, which is, uh, I mean, a heck of a good tournament. And let's talk a little bit about the Cup first, just since that, that kind of wrapped up here. Um, mm-hmm. what, what's it like, you know, you're, you're so young in your career to have, um, you know, be fishing on that stage or, or that level of competition and then to have a strong finish like that. What's that experience like for you? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was good. I was pretty pleased with it. Um, I found a few things in practice that I really felt like I could, uh, you know, have a top 10 finish in that tournament and I I think I could have you know just with lost fish and stuff like that but that happens to everybody so I I'm really not a guy that harps on losing fish because that's fishing it's gonna happen but um yeah I mean I was I was happy with it I really I'm really wanting to start you know making more cuts pretty bad it's my like like I said just wrapped up my third year um I've still got to figure out I guess maybe it's managing fish. I mean, I, I'm not really sure. Maybe it's just not getting the right bites in the you know first couple of days. Or, but yeah, I think next year I'm gonna really try to hopefully focus on trying to make more cuts and maybe I don't know maybe fish a little more aggressive or something like that. Just because I've had a lot of finishes in the you know 20s or 30s range, mm-hmm. and I. And, you know, I want to get inside those top 20 cuts because that's where you make your money. I mean, absolutely. You know, I, I I remember watching Andy Morgan, and he said, you know, if you're out here just making checks, you're you're probably not going to make it for more than just a few years. And I agree with him. You need to start making, you know, top 20 cuts because then you start making top 10, you get on TV, maybe the right person sees you, yep. you know, likes you, and you get a sponsorship opportunity out of it. So, But, well, yeah, I mean, it was a good good starting point into next year and even coming into this tournament gave me a little bit of confidence because obviously it was a you know pretty tough event uh, for everybody oh yeah do you feel it, like you know it, it was august so. oh yeah <laughs> yeah that that doesn't help anything um but do you think i guess if we look kind of as a whole uh on your tour experience so far i mean the your first year your rookie season you finished 40th in the points which is fantastic for a for a yeah. rookie, 
2015, mm-hmm. last year you finished 36, this year 26. You know, so it's like you've been improving, and, you know, you made that note about, you know, whether it's managing fish or, you know, keeping some buttoned or whatnot. Um, mm-hmm. But do you feel like, you know, are you kind of getting into more of a groove? You kind of know how to handle practice a little more now. Is it is it just that everything's coming together, and that's why you've steadily been kind of finishing better in the points? I, yeah, I think so. And I think it's just, you know, traveling around to more places and learning more lakes and getting a feel for, like I said, practice and stuff like that. You know, because three days, it actually goes by pretty fast. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, you know, some of those lakes we go to are, are really, really big lakes, and <laughs> they're hard to figure out in three days. So I think I've got a little bit better as far as managing my practice or, you know, even showing up. Uh, to the lake and knowing what I want to do, you know, the first couple of days. And then if that's not happening, then I'm not afraid to just scrap everything that I thought was going to work and go try something new. So I think just being able to adjust is the biggest part of this deal. And, uh, and the mindset, I think that's, I think that's gotten better for me, the mental aspect of it. You know, oh, the first sure. year I was kind of, you know, not sure that I, you know, needed to be even on the tour, to be honest with you. I wasn't sure I was ready. So I think that kind of hurt me. And then, I, you know, missed the Forcewood Cup by, I think, you know, two or three points or something like that. Mm-hmm. It was real close. And, and it was on Lake Murray, and I really wanted to make it bad. <laughs> and I had some tournaments I really wish I could. And the Tennessee River, that place, <laughs> the first year. that at The first tournament at Pickwick, you know, I thought, all right, maybe I can do this. And then Kentucky Lake, <laughs> it was not good. So that one hurt me pretty bad. Yeah, it's kind of it, – it seems like, you know, there's guys that have the Florida kind of hiccup um, in their season, mm-hmm. and there's guys that that, that Tennessee River swing uh, usually yep. kills them. And uh, it's funny because, um, you know, like I mentioned earlier, your your buddies with Brandon Cobb, Cobb says the exact same thing <laughs> about going to those Tennessee <laughs> yeah, River this, lakes. And this year we both had the Florida hiccup. So that was, I think that was both <laughs> our worst, worst one of the year. So. I think you're right. The Tennessee River wasn't – wasn't too too terrible on me but there was still some fish shallow that i could catch <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah didn't you catch some off docks on kentucky yeah kentucky i I fished deep for shoot i think the first six hours of the first day and you know i had a couple hours left and i was like i gotta make something happen i think i only had three or four fish and they weren't big ones and it was you know it's you you got to make the right decision on that place um as far as where you're going to start. And I made the wrong decision on where I was going to start and ended up getting my second place and was watching guys catch three-and-a-half-pounders. And, that's you know, that's just the Tennessee River. And then so I'm running around. You know, I ran around. I think I burned almost a whole tank of gas just trying to find somewhere to get on. And I I don't normally like pulling up with a whole bunch of people and fishing. I, just, right. I don't do well with that. So, yeah, I scrapped everything and started fishing docks. And, yeah, I ended up catching, I think, 16 pounds or something like that or pretty close <laughs> to it, so. And I lost a couple of big ones. I really could have probably had closer to 18 or 19 pounds. Dang. But, yeah. yeah. Then the second day, I caught a ton of fish or, you know, two and a half pounds. But I still had fun. And I made a check. So I'm happy with that. Hey, yeah, if you can have fun and get some money, not a bad deal. Yep. Nope. Nope. And I close it quickly. I actually did fish penalty. I mean, it cost me one of the smaller checks, but. Oh, well, see, that's not... a lot rougher. This this weird, the weird year, like the weird weather-wise, um, actually yeah. kind of played to the favor of a lot of people. 
Yeah, yeah, I think it did. Yeah, especially in that first one. I mean, Michael Neal and Buddy, they both were on, you know, they were on something oh, yeah. that was real, real good. They found the first first wave going out there. But at Pickwick, I don't think there was that many out there yet. No, I think you're right. I mean, it was just rolling down on that on the first day of the tournament. Um, you know, going down the lower section of the lake where a lot of that offshore traditional kind of lead yeah. stuff is, it was almost like a mm-hmm. ghost town. I mean, it was <laughs> yeah. It it actually was it was very surprising um, to myself and a lot of the other guys like Newell and and Jody. We were all like, so where is everyone? <laughs> what, <laughs> what happened? Yep. Well. Uh, another thing I've always been really curious of is uh, I feel like people that are looking, you know, to try to make a career, like to, to be a professional fisherman, um, a lot of guys turn to the south, like Alabama, you know, gets a lot of a lot of guys move there from other places of the country or, you know, there's a lot of big names that come out of that state or, or Kentucky, Tennessee, you know, that kind of region. But I kind of mm-hmm. feel like the Carolinas – are like the quiet place to breed really good anglers um, that no one really thinks about. I mean, uh, yourself, you know, your up, upcoming star for sure. Uh, Thrift, Airy, Otten, Baumgartner. Uh, you know, you got like Hank Cherry, Britt Myers. There's a whole slew of guys yeah. that come out of the Carolinas. What is it about, um, let's go North Carolina specifically for you, what is it about the state um, that you think kind of helps breed guys that can handle – fishing all over the country i think it is the uh just the lakes around here the versatility of the lakes um you know we've got lakes with spots and we don't i mean the only thing we really don't have is lakes with smallmouth um even some of the little smaller local lakes they actually get out deep on um you know baden and tillery are oh about an hour north of me and uh you know this summer i i went up there and you know, caught some fish on 10XD and 6XD and would actually graph them and stuff like that. So, oh, okay. Uh, I think, you know, the versatility and a lot of the guys that are, live around here, you know, they most of them are shallow water fishermen. You know, if you think of Hank and, you know, even Thrift. Now, Thrift, he just, he can do everything. So he's an outlier. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like Todd, you know, Todd, if there's a jig or a chatterbait bite going on or a buzz, you know, like, look at the cup. Oh, yeah. That was right up Todd's wheelhouse. I mean, mm-hmm. that was. And so I think that's, uh, I think there's just a really lot of good shallow water fishermen and they know how to pick apart, you know, shallow water lakes pretty quickly. And, uh, and even sometimes when we go to the Tennessee river, you know, if there's still fish left over, you know, Todd and those guys, they can, they can catch them. And Matt, you know, he's another guy that's really learned how to, and he's, he's been doing it for quite a while now. So I think he's really learned how to, you know, once we get out to a deep lake or a smallmouth lake, you know, oh, I think yeah. he's got the experience now where, and of course, Beaver Lake, I think that's just a matter of airy invitational anymore. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you might as well buy a house on it <laughs> at the rate he's mm-hmm. going. Yeah, I think you need to move there. So. <laughs> but, yeah, Norman's just a good place to learn a lot of different things. I mean, you know, and we get fishier year-round. That's that's True. another thing. A lot, of, a lot of those guys do, you know, they deer hunt and stuff like that, but you know, we got hot holes on this lake, so nowhere here really freezes over. It does in the backs of some of the pockets, but, you know, we get to fish all year round, so I think that helps too. Yeah, the other interesting thing, and you mentioned earlier about, like, uh, you know, if you go into practice 
and something doesn't really pan out that you thought it would, you're not afraid to scrap it. It, it seems like a lot of these, a lot of the Carolina guys um, are also just really good at, like you said, just saying, you know what, whatever I was doing ain't working. I'm going to go do this. Mm-hmm. And, and it yeah. works out like the ability to trust your gut a lot more. Um, it seems kind of like a stronger trait out of the Carolina guys, guys than it does um, some of the other pros that are kind of bred across the country. Yeah, I, I think that, I mean, that comes from these lakes around here because, I mean, just take Norman or Wiley or anywhere from around here. and You know, one day you might catch 16 pounds doing something, and then the next day you can't even get a bite doing it. And you're like, huh? <laughs> I'm going to have to change up and do something else because this isn't working. That, you know, you have to – I think that's one of the things that I learned the most this year was not being afraid to not go back to the places that I went and practiced just to, you know, run by something that looks good or – I feel like I need to get out and graph a point during the tournament or a ledge during the tournament, and I'll do it, you know. I mean, because you think about it, you only need five. And if you make the right choice, that can be the time where you find something new, let's say the second day of the tournament, and then you can carry something that hasn't been touched by anybody else on, on the whole week and carry it into two more days. And I think that's that's where you see a lot of guys win tournaments. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, before I let you go, the last thing I want to know is uh, let's just talk a little bit of let's talk a little bit of 2017 tour. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of it's a it's a cool schedule because it's it's kind of it's fresh, it's new, it's exciting. How many of those lakes yep. on that schedule have you been to before? Uh, let's see. We start Harris Chain, never been. Travis. Um, Travis, never been. Beaver, obviously, been there. <laughs> and then what's the fourth one? Uh, let's see. Cumberland. Oh, I guess we have Gunnersville too. That got thrown in there. Oh yeah, that's right, Gunnersville. I've been there before. So we got um, Gunnersville, Beaver. You've been there. Uh, yeah, Cumberland. Yep. I've been there for a vendors tournament for about three hours, so I'm not really going to count that one. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'd say we can... <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lacrosse uh, up there in Wisconsin. I have been to Prairie du Chien, but I've never been to the uh, lacrosse pool. Oh, okay. You've been to um, the, the smallmouth pool. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But never never to uh, lacrosse. Okay. And then Potomac? Potomac, yeah, been there. So, but, let's see. Yeah, I like the schedule. Yeah, I think most of it's going to be, you know, should be mostly shallow water kind of deal. Yeah. Now, a place like Travis, I would assume um, you're probably not going to pre-practice it. No. <laughs> now, are, I think I looked it up. I think I'm 18 hours away. Geez. Are you the kind of guy, like, <laughs> are you okay with going to a lake, um, especially a place like that that you've never seen before and just showing up and fishing it? Are you going to leave? Well, I guess it's kind of right after Gunnersville, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably will just go straight from Gunnersville. And are you going to maybe Travis. try to fish anything in Texas kind of nearby if there's – I don't even know if there's really anything nearby it. Yeah, I'm not – yeah, I really haven't even looked that far into it, to be honest. Um, but, I mean, is but that yeah, the kind I of guy you will. are? Like, if you can get on a lake at least close by to a body water you've never been to before and just fish to kind of see what the state's like or what yeah, the area's like? 
Yeah, I mean, really so far the tournaments that I have pre-practiced for in the first three years of doing this, it really hasn't helped me that much, to be honest. Um, okay. It was good to go out and, like, like Okeechobee the very first year when I went, you know, of course, I go to Okeechobee, go down to Florida, hear about everybody catching these big ones, and then, boom, it's 34 degrees, <laughs> which is like a death wish for Okeechobee. Right. So, obviously, I didn't get very many bites, but <laughs> at least I got to run around. And, like, a place like that, more or less, I just like to run around and know where I can run through the grass and stuff like that. Right, yeah, it's not even but really now, like Travis, a fishing thing. It's more of just how do I navigate yeah. this bad boy. Yeah, how I even get around. And, <laughs> you know, Harris... Maybe I don't. I may go down if I can, um, just to do the same thing. But you know, like Travis and stuff like that. It's still at least it's a lake. You know, mm-hmm. probably not too hard to navigate. Um, so yeah, like I'm not. I wouldn't be too worried without pre-practice and never seeing okay. it. You know, like I said, three days goes by fast. But you know, obviously, all the guys find you know what it takes to win in three days. So sure. Well, all right, man. I think that uh, I think that about wraps it up. I don't want to take any more time out of your uh, out of your investigation on Norman there, and especially <laughs> if it's going to be hot. Uh, you're fine. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, probably yeah, uh, probably today we'll be quitting by about one o'clock. Well, uh, I guess before I let you go, um, is there anywhere uh, the folks listening to this can follow you along? Um, you know, as we go through the fall here, the Invitational, or just follow your fishing career in general. Yeah, I've got uh, uh, Facebook and Instagram. I uh, don't actually use my Twitter a whole lot. I probably should start using that a little more, but uh, I think it's just Shane with you fishing on the on Facebook and on uh, Instagram. And uh, you guys also, uh, I own a bait company, Shane's Bait, me and my dad. So you can check us out there, too, at shanesbait.com. Oh, yeah. Yeah, i got to check some of them out because i got to try. This fall, I think I'm going to try to catch me some smallmouths on an A-rig in Minnesota, but we can only use, uh, we can only have one hook on the rig. Oh, <laughs> well, you throw a five arm and throw a bigger bait on that one. That's, that's what I'm saying. So Probably. I'll be picking your brain when I see you at Norman, uh, talking about a rig. So, and I'll bring yeah, lots of cash. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good. You'll, you'll get the FLW discount. Oh man. That's, ah, oh, you're so great. <laughs> <laughs> It's like an extra twenty bucks on top of everything, right? Yeah, I think yeah, it goes up a little bit, but I wouldn't. It's it's the North Carolina taxes. I wouldn't worry about. <laughs> well, Shane, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for taking time out of your day, practicing, uh, to chat with me for yeah, a little bit. No problem. Uh, best of luck to you, and shoot, we'll see you in a couple weeks. All right, man. Sounds good. All right, take care, Shane. All right, you too. Thank you. All right, so we just got done hearing from super awesome pro angler, and uh, I guess. We got the biggest thing on the on the docket today is the Oneida tournament, man. We had uh, it was the final tournament of the Northern Division up there. Um, Corey Johnston won it. The dude sacked him up. He caught fifty pounds, four ounces, uh, earned himself over thirty two thousand dollars plus a boat for winning that. Uh, he also locked up his third Northern Division Strike King Angler of the Year title, which is pretty remarkable. And uh, I guess from there, Jody, tell me all about it. And second Northern Division win in two years. Because he won on the James River last year. Yep. Yeah. Good stuff. So, uh, Corey Johnson proving 
all the people who thought that his brother was better than him, maybe wrong, maybe not, but definitely proving he's a superstar. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, dude caught him. Um, he and his brother had kind of a cool deal going. And honestly, so on day one, Chris should have had a 20-pound bag. Dang. Uh, he had, you know, he lost some big ones. So really, like, either one of those guys probably could have won that tournament. Uh, and they had a totally different deal going than most of the other people. Most guys were either, well, they're fishing, like, more general stuff, like an area or a small spot, like a spot the size of a couple boats or something like that, as opposed to uh, Corey and Chris to a lesser extent. But Corey was really, they were fishing, like, one little thing. So, you know, you, there'd be a patch of rocks or a little patch of sand or something like that. And they would, you know, target cast at that. And a lot of times they would actually be able, he could see the fish. You know, Corey would see it way out, sneak up, cast past it, bring his bait into it, like a little tube or a Senko or a spy bait or something like that. And then whoop, there he'd have it. Dang. And they're fishing shallow, like, let's say, four foot or less most of the time, which is pretty cool. Yeah, and that's, that's obviously, skinny. Yeah, in the first two days, he caught largemouth and smallmouth doing that, mostly smallmouth, but I think he weighed in a good largemouth both days. Uh, and then all smallmouth on the final day when it was, like, blowing a 1,000 miles an hour. His <laughs> pattern got just blown all the heck. I mean, it was a disaster on the last day but it was pretty cool and i didn't watch either of them fish the first two days well actually i watched chris fish once in the distance on the first two days on one of the first two days but i got to see a little bit on the final day despite the wind and it really was being able to see those fish was really important like he was sight fishing for a lot of his weight which not many other guys were doing I mean, they were either throwing an A-rig out on deep point, long points, mm-hmm. or fishing like top waters or dragging stuff on those shoals. And that was not a, that wasn't a visual thing. That was a, here's a shoal, we know there's fish there. Right, well, cast around. Yeah. situation. Yeah. Uh, so it was really cool. And I mean, he obviously crushed them. And it was pre- a pretty star-studded top 10, too. It like, was. The top 10 had some juice uh, with both the Johnstons in it. Um, Casey Smith, who won the Potomac, got second. Yep. Uh, our foremost podcast listener. Probably the best fisherman who listens to the... Maybe, well, maybe the best fisherman who listens to the podcast. I would say almost certainly in the top five or ten, although I don't know who exactly listens to the podcast. I don't <laughs> right. have a list going. That's, that's a good point. The ones we know but, of. I would say definitely the most successful fisherman to listen to the podcast this year. Maybe not definitely, but one of. Yeah. Uh, so props to him. He shouted us out on stage. Uh, and he, I think he ended up either second or third in, Angle, in the Angler of the Year race. And really, any year without the Johnstons, he probably wins the Angler of the Year race. Because you get second in one tournament and win another, that's oh. a pretty good season. Yeah, that's that's almost like locked it up, pretty much. 
Yeah, and it's not like he choked at – I mean, he, he didn't do great, but I think um, he definitely got top 50, probably top 30 in uh, the uh, – or Thousand Islands event. He got a check, I'm pretty certain. So he did pretty good. Yeah. So, yeah, dude uh, obviously caught him pretty good. Yeah. Had a great season. And he was throwing mostly an A rig. He threw a jig some, but he had a couple shoals where, like, fish would feed, come up and feed in the morning where there were actually schools of fish there, like big schools. And they wouldn't always be activated. And a lot of guys were reporting that the fish on Oneida are pressured. And it took an extra trick or a little bit of luck to really get them to bite consistently or, you know, to it took really slowing down to get them to bite. Something like that. You know, it wasn't, yep. uh, you just throw your drop shot in there, boom, they're on it. It wasn't uh, something like that. But he had like a couple shoals and hit them first thing in the morning and then that bite would die. And then he had a few like sort of offshore areas that were smallish, like maybe the size of two or three boats stuck together. And he would just hammer them with casts that had like, they had, like a little rock and a little grass and be this a slight hump and he would basically figure that there's you know five or ten fish down there that live there and you're going to hit them enough and one's going to eat and he would sometimes he said like he'd make 15 casts of the same cast and the 16th cast he'd get a bite Dang. or he'd make 10 casts then he'd move to the side of it make another 10 casts and on that you know fifth cast or whatever on the new angle there they'd be so he had him pretty well dialed in. He obviously worked a lot for that tournament. He was looking to end it on a high, end the season on a high note. And he definitely did. Oh yeah. Uh, saw a lot of umbrella rigs in the tournament. I didn't really expect the umbrella rigs to play that much, to be honest. I didn't. I mean, I knew they were gonna play, and I knew guys were gonna throw them, but I didn't. I, honestly, I did not think, oh, like half the top ten or more is gonna catch them on umbrella rigs. No, I but not win on umbrella that. rigs. Key point there: umbrella rigs, not the magic bait. Though <laughs> uh, so I think if you want the magic bait on Oneida, you should look at the top ten and try top ten baits and try and make a bait like the A rig that uh, Ian Renfrew and uh, Larry Mazur were throwing, because they've dialed in the Oneida umbrella rig quite a bit. Um, they were using like Opti Shads, not Kytex. Yeah. On the on the four wide, um, they were pretty small ones. And then the one other thing I noticed was the blades on the rig, and it was a homemade rig. But the blades were the same blades that Paul Bailey uses on his umbrella rigs for Clear Lake. Really? And they're actually they're a, kind of a pearlescent. They're silver on one side, but basically like a pearl type sheen on the other side and you can get them at like jan's netcraft or barlow's one of those tackle shops you know oh. one of those like lure making component ones yeah and they're a small little willow leaf and i think that two-tone is i i don't know what it is quite about it but i think it's legit i think that that slightly more subtle flash Maybe more like the color of the of the baits as opposed to just a bright silver thing. I think that might be a little bit key. 
Yeah, okay. I could I could buy that. And I'll be honest, that is some like highly detailed information I just gave out there. <laughs> so if you're listening, you're doing the right thing. <laughs> you're welcome. I'll say. Uh, so yeah, I think that I don't know, it was cool to uh it was cool to see that thing play as much as it did. I watched Missouri like crush it crush him on it a little bit on the second day, like he had, he lost one big one and then Renfrew lost a big one and they were fishing the same area for some of the time. And then he was caught like a he caught like a three pounder and just threw it back, like, eh, don't need this guy which <laughs> you always I mean, that's a baller move when you're throwing back three pounders, you don't need Oh them. yeah. And uh then he caught like a four like a maybe a high three or a four and I was like, So that gets you up to eighteen? He's like, Yeah, thereabouts <laughs> and uh Yeah, so he was he was crushing. Um, on the second day, and both those guys like they're locals, like that's their home, that's their home pond. Yep. And they definitely, I think if the wind, I don't know, if the wind hadn't been as bad on the final day, it would have changed a lot of things. Like everyone would have caught them better. And who knows? I mean, maybe if the wind isn't as bad, if one of those guys actually can kind of mount a charge, maybe it goes from just being Johnston running away with it, even though the wind was really bad and he really couldn't fish the way he wanted to fish, he could scratch out enough. Maybe it goes from him not running away with it. Maybe somebody tries to attempts to close the gap a little bit. Oh, yeah. But at the same time, if it hadn't been windy, it would have been perfect for him to do his pattern another day. And he said that he passed up a lot of three-pounders on the second day. Like, he was just see and fish and eh, that's not gonna be a significant upgrade i'm gonna leave it so probably he could have caught 15 pretty easy anyhow and kind of iced it down so it was a cool derby though i enjoyed it i like how i've been on a night of twice before with terrible conditions both times uh so it was good to actually see the place under really prime conditions the first two days uh i'm you know i'm a fan of the lake it's it's cool any lake that you can win on smallmouth and the swallows like play that big a role. I'm a fan of. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I'm kind of jealous. I've I've never I've driven past it like when I went to Thousand Islands, and that was it. Yeah, that was you the only drove time right I've over ever, like, there. Yeah, I've never I've never actually seen it, or, like been on it. I guess I should say. Yeah, it's uh, I mean it's a pretty cool lake. It's it's very shallow compared to like compared to the Great Lakes or Thousand Islands or a lot of places or even Champlain. I mean. It's just got tons and tons of water in it that's, like, less than 30 feet deep. Yeah, Whereas, that's interesting. You know, I think, like, the deepest part of it is, like, 50-something or maybe 40-something. I mean, it's crazy. And there, so there's big sections of the lake that are, like, there can be fish almost anywhere. It's not a – it's not the kind of lake that – even though it's not a big lake, and it seems to me... Oh, I'm in Buffalo now. Uh, hey. Seems to me that people kind of group up on it a little bit. I think that... Uh, I think it's still pretty... I think there's enough space for the fish that they can kind of roam around and get away from people a little bit if they okay. want to. Like, it's the kind of thing where I could see, you know, a couple of years down the road, maybe there's continues to be tournament pressure. Someone could win on something totally off the wall, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. Just because... Those fish got moved around. Like, when Lambert won on Kentucky Lake, he said they got moved around. It could be that kind of deal. Yeah. Where 
there's plenty of places for them to live, and someone else just finds something new. Um, and maybe that's what Johnston was doing, although fishing, like, isolated rock stuff up shallow is not crazy to me. No. That doesn't seem ridiculously new, but anyhow, it was cool. Uh, oh, I was going to say, any uh, did we did we touch on what Corey won with, his baits he won with? Uh, I guess we didn't. Uh, he threw in a uh, Rapala, the X-Rap Pop, or X-Pop. It's that... It's their Rapala popper, yep. not the Skitter pop, the other one. Uh, he threw that some. Uh, he threw a little tube. He threw a uh, Senko. He threw a, uh, what do you call it? Uh, he did throw an umbrella rig some on the final day because uh, Tyler Shepard, who was the coin that we got second, was fishing with him, and he was just lighting them up early in the morning on the A-rig. So he, uh, well, he picked up that. And got himself on the board. Um, what else did he throw? Spin bait. Oh, he threw spin bait, the Duo Realis one, uh, and caught some fish on that. And the that was a pretty size. big. That was a pretty good. What's that? Uh, I said the eighty size because they make the there's like an eighty and a ninety. It was the smaller one. Yeah, and that was a you know the spinning rod size basically. Yep. Um, and that was a pretty legit bait in this tur- in that tournament. That definitely cost him a night of bass. Um, and didn't Dobson win on that, or in part on that? Uh, yeah, he started using it uh, last couple days, N- namely the final day. So, Caught some good ones on it. Yeah, so really, uh, spin bait, the spy bait, that's two victories that it's at least factored into on uh, on northern fisheries. So look out for that deal. It hasn't really, I'm not going to say it hasn't caught on down south, but it seems like smallmouth are definitely the prime application for it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they enjoy it. Uh, big time. And, man, when they hit that thing, they usually just light it up. Which is like, insane. It's not, oh, I know. It's not like a, when they hit a... Um, I don't know, when they hit, like, a swim bait or something, a lot of times they just kind of bump it. Sometimes they crush it, but sometimes it's just they load on. Yep. They seem to always crush that spy bait. Um, hey, so here's a situation that's developed. i got to go through a couple tolls. Okay. What do you say? Uh, I hang up, Okay. and then we call back when I get through Buffalo for segment number two of the uh, podcast. Yeah, that's fine. All right, man. Well, it's been a pleasure talking to you, and I will concentrate heavily while going through polls and cities and whatnot, and uh, we'll make this thing happen. Please do. Well, Jody Oneida sounded like a cool time. Uh, any other topics you'd like to add in or little notes about the Oneida tournament? Uh, so I haven't gone in and totaled up exactly who won the Costa Challenge at Oneida. But I'm fairly sure you did, although I don't remember who exactly we picked. Uh, and assuming that you did, that does mean that you tied it up. So it's now, I guess, 5-5 five, five or 4-4 four, four at this point in the season with, I think, yeah. two derbies left. Yeah. That, That's that, counting the championship. Uh, I think there'd be three left. I think there's three series tournaments left. There's one on, table, or one on uh, Lake of the Ozarks. There's one on... Fort Gibson, and then the championship. Uh-huh. 
Well, in that case, three derbies left. Hopefully, uh, hopefully, hopefully one of us just wins two of them, and we don't have to go into the championship in suspense. <laughs> I know. Yeah, ho- hopefully. But, uh, but we'll see. Uh, well, okay. Yeah, I like winning. I'm pretty sure I had Ian Renfrew, Corey Johnston, and Gray Buck. I definitely had... You had Chris. Uh, I had Chris Johnston. Ed Casey. And... Oh, did I have Casey Smith? Uh, Ed Casey, I think. Oh, Ed Casey. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh... Should have taken Casey Smith. And, uh... <laughs> I had Ken Golub, I think. And I'm pretty sure Ken did real bad. Yeah. But I did put two in the top ten. That's true. But you put two in the top ten, too. Just so, first, I had a first, third, and a 20th. You had a fourth, seventh. And let's see where Ken finished. 57th. Yeah, that's not, the, that's not the sound you want there. So, yeah, I guess you definitely won. Well, all right. Cool. <laughs> Congratulations. Oh, I did you. say we were going to do really well in that one. Oh uh, yeah, and we did. I, I'd say that was uh, that was pretty all right. Yeah. Anyhow, um, what's our uh, what's on the docket here? Well, I think um, actually before I was going to jump to BFL stuff, but I'm not going to jump to BFL stuff quite yet. Uh, okay. I, the only other real Off the board. note um, to point out is that the 2016 FLW TV schedule um, is starting to kick off. Actually, I think the first episode aired on Monday or Tuesday. It aired on Tuesday. Uh, It's actually it's online right now, so you can watch it at FLWFishing.com or on YouTube. Uh, That'd be the Okeechobee show. And you should watch it because there's hogs and uh, Bradley Hallman, you know, maybe wins. Doing things. Actually, yeah, I guess I mean, if you listen to this, you probably know he won. I don't know. There's some suspense. I, you never know till the final fish is weighed who won. That's true. And uh, especially in that Okeechobee show, because as I recall, it came down to the wire. Because <sighs> Holman didn't at all have a big lead. It, it got intense. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, but, yeah, you can look. Uh, we have a little thing on the uh, on the website. If you want to check out uh, the air time or the the dates they air at on NBC Sports, um, they'll also re-air on Pursuit and the World Fishing Network. Uh, the Hartwell Show is going to come out August 30th, so that'd be next week, and then it pretty much just kind of rolls uh, every week, all the way down through the Cup, which will air October 18th. So you can find that on the website. Uh, just thought I'd point that out, but I guess. We'll keep a little bit of tournament coverage rolling along here because we had two BFLs this past weekend. We had us a Michigan Division event on the Detroit River uh, where Matt Elkins uh, won that derby with 22 pounds, 11 ounces. Um, for the win, he went out to Erie, uh, which Elkins is a guy that loves going to Erie and loves fishing deep. So he was fishing like 30 feet down or deeper with a drop shot rig, uh, jackal crosstail shad, surprise, surprise, uh, and also an LBA Bates ding ding. I have no idea what it is, but it sounds cool. Ding ding. <laughs> <laughs> You're ringing that dinner bell. Yeah, I, I don't know what that is either, but I want it. But uh, he just fished like really specific isolated spots. Um, 
and dragged a drop shot around on some rock piles and, and caught some fish. It, uh, I mean, 10th place was only 19.11, so, I mean, phew, what a horrible place to fish. Well, now, wasn't Saturday pretty bad weather? I, well, I in guess. That part of the country? I would say it was where you were, and it was for me in Minnesota, so I would guess in the middle it probably wasn't that good either. Yeah, which that could be what kept the weights down. I mean, still, though. Like, what did he win with? 23, did you say? 22-11. Oh. Yeah, I don't know. I guess 22-11 is pretty stout. But a lot of times it takes, like, 23-plus. Right. So yeah, 24. Even, even in the – given the conditions, it still fished uh, really prime. Yeah. Man, those Great Lakes are just exceptional bodies of water. They really oh. are. I just I, – I want, I want to move there. Maybe I'll buy, Me like, too. a houseboat. Maybe we both buy a houseboat, and we'll just, like, travel across the Great Lakes and catch hogs. We'll become FLW Great Lakes, and we'll just <laughs> we'll go from the Thousand Islands to uh, Duluth yeah. through the whole summer, and then work our way back. Yep. Oh, sounds, that would be so epic. Sounds good to me. Get us some, like, satellite internet or whatever on the houseboat and just roll. <laughs> um... But moving on from there, we had one other BFL. It was a Great Lakes Division Ooh, on the Mississippi River. Uh, and I think this one was out of Prairie du Chien. Uh, okay. Mike Brugan won that one, who if you know the Mississippi River and the lacrosse area, you know that Mike Brugan is a stick. Uh, he yeah. won it with 15 is pounds. Is he leading AOI right now? Uh, great question. I have to. My computer's being kind of slow. I'll pull that up here in a second. Okay. Sorry. Continue. No, that's okay. He won it with 15 pounds, 11 ounces. Uh, this was a five fish limit. They have Wisconsin has that period where, in the summertime, which is kind of like, I think it's pretty much July, into like the beginning part of August. Uh, it's a three fish limit, so they're back to five fish. So he won it 15 pounds, 11 ounces. Uh, he beat out Travis Brugan who I actually don't know if they're related, but it'd be kind of cool if they were. You beat them by two they are, ounces. They are. Yeah. They definitely. I've, I've investigated that before. Okay. They're not like brothers. I don't think they're brothers. Like cousins though. or something? I think they're like cousins or yeah. something like that. But maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> you beat them, uh, beat them by two ounces. So bragging rights, I guess. Uh, there you go. But Bruggen started, uh, started on pool nine. Fish for some large mouse in the weeds. Um, he was in a backwater. The water down there is just like crazy high. We've had so much rain up here, it's unreal. Um, and he was throwing a swim jig, a Kariji swim jig. I don't know what it is, but apparently it's pretty popular down along that neck of the woods. Um, then he went after some small mouths. After that, found a little uh, like a little shell bar thing. That he threw a football jig and a Carolina rig zoom lizard. Um, and then some fish came up, started like schooling on top, and he threw a Zara spook as well. Uh, so he ended up weighing three small mouse, two large mouse for that 1511. And uh, shoot, man, he won almost six grand. Not a bad day on the river, if you ask me. Yeah, I, I agree. That's, uh, that's a pretty good day. We're starting to get into super tournament season two, where we'll have a bunch of two dayers to talk about and then yep. the region. So yeah, we're getting down there. On we're the getting into the meat of the BFLs, yeah. 
Yeah, which this is fun. What do you think about this, that Wisconsin rule? I mean, it strikes me as Wisconsin and Vermont and New York and lots of places like that are one of the states where you would least need a three fish in the summer rule. Uh, not that Vermont or New York have that. They don't. But it seems a little right. silly. Am I wrong on that one? No, I'm uh, I, I'm with you. It, I think it's it's just like an old, outdated regulation. The problem with like the Midwest, I feel, especially Minnesota, um, and Wisconsin. I'll speak for Wisconsin people. Uh, the DNR just doesn't really care enough about bass fishing. Um, you know, you're kind of in the heart of like Walleyeville, and uh, if it's a bass, eh, whatever. But they made they made these laws so long ago that like. I don't know. I remember there was one time Wisconsin DNR got mad at, uh, I think it was actually an FLW tournament because they held some bass after the tournament in a backwater in a pen during the summertime and, like, all the bass died. Um, it was, like, a very shallow portion of the backwater, too. And then they blamed it on the tournament. Like, come on. Like, are you, is it, are you really that dumb? You know what I mean? Like, oh, let's put these fish in, like... What? A foot of water in the backwater in you know end of July, and let's see if so they the live. tournament did the tournament did that or the DNR did the that. The DNR took the fish from the tournament to see like what the mortality rate was, and so the DNR had them in a pen. The fish died then. They blamed it on the tournament. Huh? It's weird to me because so I always want to be on the side of science. You know, I want to say this is. I want to. I want our fisheries to be scientifically managed, or like, I don't want to. I don't want to politically manage how fisheries, uh, you know, the what happens there. Yep. At the same time, gosh, there are some just decisions that <laughs> plenty of DNRs have made that you would think would be informed by science, and sometimes they either obviously aren't, or they are, but the priorities of it are just very weird i don't know it's it's an it's, it's a very weird situation to me like some of the dnrs do a phenomenal job you know i i think like i think and i not to praise new york because i obviously am on record vermont better than new york but <laughs> i think new york does a really good job with their dnr like they let you throw an alabama rig and granted they have amazing fisheries to uh to maybe like cover up any issues with that and fewer sure. fishermen then uh, a state down south, so it's probably a little easier, but I don't know. It just seems to me there are a lot of situations where you can, I don't know, like they've, where, where you could do a better job. Like there's examples of really well done DNRs, and then there are examples of somewhere it seems like they make rules just for the sake of making rules. Yeah. But I, I will I will hand it to uh, like Minnesota Wisconsin I feel like they're uh, they're making progress you know like since the elite series have been going lacrosse uh, for a couple of years you know we've had series events there uh, obviously we have BFLs uh, next year the tours going there I feel like they're starting to realize uh, at least from what I've heard they're starting to realize that uh, you know bass fishing is kind of a big time thing you know and that they should maybe reshape the regulations uh, accordingly and maybe manage fisheries kind of, you know, to suit that. Minnesota definitely is starting to take steps 
in that direction. Uh, they've never actually been that crazy other than the no-cull rule on the Mississippi and uh, no-culling on Mille Lacs. That was about the only place that it got kind of... And Alabama rates with only one hook. Yeah, you can't only use one hook, which is super dumb because... I want to catch me some smallmouths on an A-rig this fall. And uh, yeah. if know, I could get I'm past the you. muskies and pike, then it might work. But I don't like my my odds of one hook. It works. Just, I'm telling you, you can do it. Well, you I, fi- I figure you give that you give that middle bait, the one with uh, the hook on it, uh, you know, put like something different on it, and they'll hit it. Yeah, they hit the... Just put a little bit bigger bait on it, maybe dip in a little chartreuse. Like, they hit that middle one a lot, uh, decent chunk of the time anyhow. Like, okay. And here's the thing. If they hit one of the dummies, how many smallmouth do you know that aren't going to come back and take a second swing? Great point. Yeah. They... <laughs> like, just wait Just wait till they load on and then crank them on in. I, I know for a fact it works. Uh, I would encourage you to try it. Okay. Cool. We're doing it. Um, yeah. So, no, it's it's a thing. I tried, when I first threw an A-rig up there, I tried, I added a dropper with, like, 20-pound test. Yeah. I put, to put the bait, like, even six inches back of the what it should have been. Didn't catch any smallmouth on it. I think you could throw it just regular and be just fine. Did have a muskie that was, no joke, the size of the boat, follow it up, though. <laughs> was that on Mille Lacs? And, yes. Oh, yeah, there's some big ones in there. And this was a 20-foot boat, so big musky i mean that's that's like world record size i'm telling you he's a hog <laughs> uh anyhow i kind of forget where we we kind of got off track there but i we, think it was a good digression we did i think so and i think that uh, that wraps up pretty much all of the um flw you know like tournament related stuff so i guess uh at this point i kind of want to know how your trip to thousand islands was all righty. All right. Well, I, I'm eager to uh, I'm eager to say because uh, I tremendously enjoyed it. Um, I went out. So after I finished some most of the writing uh, for Oneida, I went on up. I was hoping to film with uh, Corey Johnston about how he caught his fish. But he had to go. He and Chris had to go back up to Canada to fish another tournament on Sunday, which they won. Uh <laughs> Shocker, right? Yeah. Um, uh, but anyhow, so he couldn't do that, which kind of worked out because I worked until like 10 in the morning, and it rained from like 9 in the morning to like 5 at night. <laughs> it was <laughs> messy. But anyhow, eventually I got up to Thousand Islands, uh, and Saturday I put the boat in near Clayton and went fishing, or Sunday I put the boat in near Clayton, went fishing in the afternoon. It was blowing like three-footers, windy, raining, terrible, nasty. Didn't get a bite. Nice. Like, yeah. real. Actually, I think I caught a perch. Um, but, like, legit disaster. Turned out I was trying way too hard. I was out, <laughs> like, idling these way main current, like, 40 feet rock piles. Like, oh, man, I'm going to catch them out here. I bet I could have. Maybe not in, like, a 1,000-mile-an-hour wind, me trying to be fancy. Uh, but anyhow, on Monday... I went, I put the boat in, uh, I forget the name of the bay, something CH, not Schwamigan, but I think of that bay when I think of it, <laughs> but it's near, it's north of Watertown, 
on oh, the okay. uh, on Ontario. And I put in there and I ran out to the smallmouth grounds out by like the the islands and those points and stuff. Was it Shimo Bay? Yeah, Shimo. Shimo, yeah. Shimo, something like that. Yeah, so I put in there, ran okay. on out, uh, kind of chickened out like halfway out because um, there were pretty big waves that day in the morning. And then later, when in like the late afternoon, there was a pretty good period in the middle where it kind of didn't slick off. There was still like six foot, maybe like four foot rollers, but they were just rollers. You could deal oh, yeah. with that. It wasn't like a chop on top of the rollers. But I kind of chickened out and kind of worked my way slowly out to where I thought like the good fishing would be, to where I've been told the good fishing would be. And I did on the way, I caught like a three pounder and a whole bunch of little smallmouth. I didn't expect to catch as many little smallmouth as I did, but I was catching in like 35 feet of water, like boom, 10 incher, boom, three incher, boom, 10 incher, like little smallmouth out there on the drop shot, which is kind of weird to me. But I finally got out. I caught a three and then another good three. And, you know, these these are fish that I would idle around and I'd mark them or I'd mark a rock pile and fish that. I wasn't just like doing a drift and drag, which maybe I should have done some. And then I finally, I caught a five and that one actually fun story. And you can, I was uh, getting ready to go. I, to move to, to try different spots. And so I literally strapped my rod down. I look up and I get ready. I go, I'm thinking I'm going to pick the troll motor and I look down and I see it on the grass. And so I unstrap my rod, pick it up, drop it down. Boom. Five pounder lights it up. Um, so that was kind of cool. Way to, also, way like, to be aware of I, your surroundings. Yeah, imagine if I'd left like, I don't know, a minute earlier. No five pounder, bust of a day. You went, <laughs> went, went and fished Lake Ontario, only caught two, three pounders and a whole bunch of dinks. Uh, but I caught, some, I caught some fish. It's so cool out there. Like, dude, you're out, you're miles from the shore, which. I got to, obviously I need to gain a little more confidence in that type of thing, get a little better at driving and that type of thing. It's a, it's a whole nother world, yeah, but yeah. it's uh it's cool. And you're out fishing water. that's like 20, 30 feet deep, 40 feet deep. And it's neat. I mean, I'm just a big fan of that. And I like catching, I love catching swallows on a drop shot. I love looking at them on the grass. Uh, the rod I was using, I, it's got kind of a busted guide on it now. I got to do a little repair on one of the one of the guides, but I mean, it's a no joke. I've caught hundreds of smallmouth, maybe a thousand, probably not a thousand, but hundreds <laughs> of smallmouth on a drop shot on that rod between Champlain and you know out here and maybe a thousand. Any, I mean, all over the place. Like I've caught so many. It's just a it's a technique that takes me back to when I was first learning it on Champlain. And then, you know, just is ah, so much fun. And so I caught that one big one. And then the wind had been kind of coming across the waves all day. So you had the big rollers coming in and then in the morning, there were like two footers coming across them. And then it slicked off to like one footers or less, really almost nothing for a while, just the rollers. And then, it switched and it was supposed to blow 17 miles an hour and it started to blow like 17 miles an hour and was coming finally with the rollers. And I I was like, you know what? That's probably my cue to get out of here. (laughs) So 
I decided to, you know, discretion was the better part of valor in that one. Definitely. I, uh, I booked it back on in. And so I basically, I caught that one big one. And then 20 minutes later, I'm like, you know what? Maybe I should go. (laughs) Unfortunately, (laughs) but I left and it was, it was cool. I was, I would love to go out there more and learn that more, but you know, you catch five pounds smallmouth. That's a good day. I'm happy with it. Oh yeah. Uh, and then, so the next day, uh, mom and Charlotte joined me and we kind of were on like mini vacation, but we went to the thousand islands back there, put the boat in, uh, first place I pull up on, I catch like three on three casts and I'm like, man, why was I making this so complicated? They've got all these, like, buoys and jetties, not jetties, but, like, buoys and concrete pilings and stuff that mark the channel. And it seemed like anywhere there was one of those deals and you had a nice sharp break from the main channel to a shoal and the current, like, you could kind of see your current scene and see where there was good current. And in, like, let's say, I'm going to say, like, 20 to 30 feet of water seemed to be kind of that sweet spot to me. And you could get in there and throw your drop shot out and drift it back to you or just drop your drop shot up a little and kind of drift it along, and you'd get bit. <laughs> if, and, like, probably one out of every three stops, you'd get in there and you'd catch, like, I don't know, three, like, two to five fish maybe. Oh, nice. Maybe seven or eight. Like, it wasn't like boom, 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 but it seemed like you did kind of either break the school up or catch them out of their little sweet spot once you found it. And I caught a, I caught a cup, I caught like a four pound largemouth actually back in a bay. Yes. Yeah, I saw, I saw a picture I caught, of a green one. Yeah, it was, uh, it was four, three. I caught a four, seven smallmouth, which he led me a pretty merry chase. I caught some three pound small, like plenty of, like plenty of three pound smallmouth and two pound smallmouth. Like it's dude, the thousand islands is legit. I mean, just, from a visual standpoint, it's beautiful. From a oh, yeah. fishing standpoint, it's really unique. There's not any other smallmouth place I can think of where you're fishing in heavy current in, maybe not always in 30 feet of water, but like in a variety of conditions. I could see it, you know, it's very cool. Mm-hmm. Big fan of Thousand Islands. Oh, yeah. And that, so that, current was, got, that current was something, like, I'd never experienced current ripping quite like that, unless it was uh, you know, like Mississippi River after uh, you know a, a day or so of rain, and you know it's really roaring or something in the spring maybe. But that that yeah. was that was kind of unique. That it's just, I mean, that's that's like it like all the time. Yeah, and from what I can tell, where I was anyhow, I could I could move around fine on a hundred, uh, like about ninety to a hundred. I could move around fine. If I wanted to, like, really be slow and not actually moving as fast as I wanted to be and not, like, getting where I wanted to be, you could put it on, like, 70. But yep. you needed to be cooking. You know, you needed oh, yeah. You needed all 36 volts. You needed uh, probably to charge your batteries pretty well every night. Um, <laughs> you, uh, it, was a key de- it was a key deal. It was a good thing to have a good trolling motor. Definitely, there were a couple fish I caught, and I ended up drifting a while while I was fighting them. It takes you, like, you know, a minute and a half, two minutes to get these things in sometimes oh yeah uh and it, it would uh you'd fire up the main motor and crank yourself back up to where you caught them because it was like why am i bothering on the trolling motor to go up another you know 60 feet or something when i can just crank it up yep for sure 
so yeah, I was a big fan. I could see, I get that so many guys go out to the lake and they catch big fish, but you can definitely, I can definitely see why you still have guys come out of the Thousand Islands themselves catching big fish. Because I think, and granted it's summertime, it's further along, but I think if I had fished the whole day, as opposed to kind of breaking it up, and if I had really, uh, if I'd had a day of practice or something, I, I could easily see, I could see catching 20 pounds being a pretty easy thing. Maybe oh, yeah. not easy, but I, it's Doable. super yeah. legit to happen in the river as opposed to way out on the lake where yes. that's maybe the only place you're going to catch like 26, 27. Maybe 25 is the only place you're going to do it out there, but like totally can do it in the river, which is cool. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, big, big fan of the river as I expected to be. And I'm glad that I, it lived up to my expectations. Yeah. I'm glad it did too. And I, I'm really jealous. You gotta, you gotta get out there and get after them. Yeah. I am always, I don't want to say I'm stunned or anything like that, but gosh, if you have not gone and fished the great lakes or some of their adjoining bodies of water for largemouth, And I am including St. Clair in that, uh, or for smallmouth rather, you really should. Like it is, an experience that anyone who loves smallmouth bass or who wants to love smallmouth bass should partake of. And I would say if you not something you've done before, then you should get a guide. Like, you probably should. But if it's something you've got some confidence in or you're good at, or you, you feel like you can do it, go do it. Because, I mean, I don't think you're going to regret it. I think, yeah. yeah, you might get stuck with bad weather. And if you get stuck with bad weather, well, what are you going to do? <laughs> you could have had, I mean... Then I guess you'll regret it, but really, it's a risk you knew it going in. Right. But, gosh, you should just go do it. It is, it can be pretty epic. It really can. And those fish are just, they're footballs, and it's it's a blast. I couldn't so, agree with you more. Yeah, love it. You caught fish too, right? I did. I got out, uh, got out of Mille Lacs a couple times, well, last Thursday went and we we filmed a couple we did a tackle review video uh and then a little um kind of a tip video about replacing a uh, tip top guide and uh so i got a fish on the wax a little bit then but it stormed a bunch that day and it kind of kicked us off the water for a little bit and the bite definitely got tougher after that and then as we went into the weekend we had a pretty big cold front come through for this time of year i mean it was like um shoot the lows were in like the, the low 50s it was gorgeous but i mean we had high winds and uh it definitely like the fish got a little wonky like they weren't super happy about it but at the same time uh you know they only have like another month and a half of chewing before they freeze up so they can't complain too much but on sunday in malax i went out with a with a buddy of mine that doesn't get a smallmouth fish too much and uh, we tried fishing a few uh, kind of little rock hump things that I knew had some fish on it. And, man, like, you'd graph them. They just wouldn't eat. Like, they'd short strike your drop shot. Didn't matter what I had. Like, I used little tiny tubes, uh, you know, hand pour worms, like the whole gauntlet of drop shot baits. They just weren't having it. Caught a couple little dinks right away in the morning. But turned out to be a... Uh, stupid ned rig thing uh and we caught we probably caught 25 or 30 fish and they're all like 
three to four and a half pounds. Most of them were three to four pounds. Like you put one on the scale, it was like four oh two. You know, you catch another yeah. one, it was like four oh four. You know, they're all just like kind of cookie cutters, which was awesome. But it, uh, it, it was a really tough. Like the wind was blowing real hard. There were a ton of boats out there. I know there were a few like club tournaments and stuff going on. So I kind of fished just. It, a lot of it was. Uh, some of the areas were places I'd never even fished before, which is kind of always fun and gratifying to find new stuff, especially like away from the crowds. That was kind of cool. Um, but yeah, it turned out to be an all right day. And I got to wear a sweatshirt all day because it was a little brisk on the water. It felt fantastic. I'm not complaining one bit. Yeah, I wore a sweatshirt and shorts pretty much, I would say, 75% of the time this weekend. Yeah. And it was so nice. Oh, man, I'm so I happy. And, I think a sweatshirt and shorts or a sweatshirt and jeans and bare feet are probably my favorite clothes com- clothing combination. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, strong emphasis on the bare feet and slash or flip-flops. Okay, not so much there, uh, but I, I agree with you on everything else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's okay. We can agree to disagree on that. Yeah, that's fine. Well, that's, that's cool. That Ned rig is something else. I mean, it's so dumb, but it, man, is. it works. Gosh, it does. And did it, you catch? Did you catch any walleye on it? I caught one, and it was the best bite I had all day. It actually like I was dragging along and I felt a thump, and I'm like, oh, baby! I reeled down and set the hook, and I'm like, what the heck? And it was like the 16 inch walleye came spiraling in. Hey, it was that way for me on the river. I didn't catch it on a Ned rig, but throwing a drop shot up on a little bit shallower area. It was only like maybe 15, 20 feet deep on the break, and. I got the best bite. I was there the whole time, like, just boom, boom. <laughs> and then walleye. Like, come on, man. Uh, get Kill out of me. here. What are you doing? <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it's, uh, it's something else. Well, actually, I did have a pike bite, and uh, he, uh, well, he bit pretty good, obviously. <laughs> yeah. As that's, pike are wont to do. That's what they do. Yeah. But, no, it was a good little trip, and I'm glad you caught him, too. It's a nice one. It's nice when you can go fishing and just catch them, you know? Heck yeah. I'm all about that. And even even sometimes when you figure them out a little bit, too. Like, you figured them out, and you started catching them on the Ned Rig, and I kind of went to a new body of water, and not that it's a hard body of water, necessarily. Well, still, well, it probably would be hard for some... It probably could be hard for somebody who hasn't doesn't have in their idea, but, you know, to go do something new and catch them is cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's daunting. Like what you did going going there, never being there before. That's a that's a daunting task. Yeah, I'm stoked to go back though. I don't know when I'm going back, but I'm going back. And I got to make that. I got to go back sometime. Yeah, it, I, I, I got to get on some of that too. Yeah, I want to go sometime and figure out the Canada situation and see a little more of it. And I'd love to have a time when the it was actually home. I got about three hours in the morning when it was calm on on uh, Monday. And other than that, it pretty much blew the whole time. Uh, I think it was Tuesday when it was calm. Like, yeah, Monday and Tuesday. I had about three hours of a gap. Other than that, it was just whipping. So it'd be good to go sometime when it's not cranking. Yeah, that would uh, be nice, which can be kind of a tough tough thing to you know plan you can't really plan it you just got to show up and hey look a couple yeah, days gotta, of no win yeah get out there and cross your fingers really yep like, hopefully it happens it doesn't no, it doesn't that's a, that's fishing though i mean you've never it's hard to 
hard to have a bad day when you're going fishing. Oh, that is a hundred percent true. Yeah, I'm riding on you know going down uh, still ninety, I guess, pretty close to Lake Erie at the moment. Thinking about maybe just ending this conversation, pulling right off, trying to catch me a smallmouth or two, but I'm not going to do that. Oh, I was going to say you're more than welcome because I feel like uh, I feel like we've bantered enough. I feel like we kind of hit the end of the line, and uh, I think we could call today if you don't mind. Well, that sounds good to me. Uh, I will do some of the social media stuff here. Um, you obviously you got FLW, FLWfishing.com supposed to be, uh, FLW on Facebook, uh, FLW fishing on Instagram, on Twitter, um, FLW official on Snapchat, uh, YouTube, FLW, FLW fishing there. If you want to watch the uh, shows, you want to watch some of Kyle's tips and whatnot. And for whatever reason, FLWfishing.com is not the place for you which it's the place for all fishing fans, so you should probably go there. Yeah, you should. Uh, but, you know, whichever. It's your deal. Um, <laughs> then, uh, let's see. I am on Instagram and Twitter, at Jody Blanco. Uh, Jody Blanco snaps. Uh, Kyle Lumber on Instagram. for oh, you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Both of us, I think we got some hog smallmouth action happening of late, which that's the best kind of action. It 100% is. And... Uh, I guess that might do it. We got an email, right? Oh, we do. Yeah. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, uh, like I said last week, if you want to see a certain video produced, uh, now's the time to let us know what it is. Shoot us an email, podcast at flwfishing.com, and we'll see what we can do. Well, man, that sounds uh, brilliant. Well, safe travels to you. Uh, I, we'll have, we should both be regular podcasting next week, I believe. And, I think so. uh, you know, hopefully you can get out and catch some hogs this weekend. I got a wedding to attend, so I don't think I'm going to be fishing. Uh, but I'm not going to count it out yet. Okay. Sounds, uh, sounds good to me. All right. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening. See you.